You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Do you know the movie scene that I just played there? It's from the 2004 movie, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Of course, that's where Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie met. And they're two people who are supposed to be married, but they're also both undercover spies. And then they're told to go take out hits on each other. And wow, is it a doozy of a fight in that movie. Well, looks like they're about to be doing that again. But this time in court, I know you've heard the news by now, Angelina Jolie filing for divorce from Brad Pitt after two years of marriage, but I guess 12 years together? They were together for from 2004 until today. And we'll be speaking with uh, Devin Saltnick from um, eTalk Daily later on in the program. Uh, he tells me, he doesn't think she saw he saw this coming at all. I know this is breaking news for many of you. Or it's just going to be news. Some of you say, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care about this at all. This isn't real news. And yet, people are talking about it. This morning, talk to anybody in any office building today. And what happened to workplace productivity? Especially, you know. I know some people think this is going to be sexist, but especially for the women out there, what happened to workplace productivity between 1030 and 11 o'clock or 1030 and noon? Plummet. It just dropped off. Everyone was on Twitter, Facebook, checking it out. I know that on our CFRA sound off and go vote if you haven't already. The CFRA sound off question is one of Hollywood's power couples is no more. Angelina Jolie is filing for divorce from Brad Pitt. Do you care about the breakup of Jolie and Pitt? 93.7% say no. I think I think either we're not getting a lot of people voting or folks are just being cynical because it is something that folks talk about. We'll talk about it later on in the program with uh, Devin Soltnick from eTalk Daily. He just got back from Los Angeles at the Emmys last night. or I think he arrived this morning. I think he took the red eye. Got back, hadn't heard any of this. So we'll get into that later on in the program. But, of course, it's beyond the news. It's below, so there's going to be a lot of politics on the show tonight. And I'm going to break a story in a little while, just waiting for it to go up at the rebel.media, that, in my view, shows the liberals interfering in an access to information request. This is the type of thing that should launch an investigation by... The information commissioner, this is the sort of thing that could cost people their jobs, depending on how that investigation goes. Because on the surface, what it appears to show is that senior staffers in the prime minister's office were messing around with official documents 
with access to information requests to remove some politically embarrassing things. That's what it looks like based on the documents that I received. We'll get into that later on in the program as well. Something that I think that we should uh, discuss, but I've got to wait for it to go up at the Rebel, and that'll be happening shortly. Uh, Speaking of that, I talked about this last night and then filed on it with the, the Rebel this morning. The whole issue of Justin Trudeau's latest excuse for going to the gender-segregated mosque because abortion? That's right. So if you missed that last night, then I invite you to go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly, and share the video that I did today because it shows you the different excuses that they've given. Now, I'm not saying that the prime minister should never engage with Ottawa's Muslim community or any Muslim community. But when the prime minister goes and speaks before an event with members of the media in tow, where it's a public event, and you've got the men downstairs and the sisters upstairs on the balcony, that lends a certain amount of credence to what's going on. I don't remember that sort of thing happening with Stephen Harper. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure if it did happen, he would have been criticized roundly for it. Instead, Trudeau's getting mild criticism from myself, from David Aiken, from Anthony Fury, and a couple of others. But for the most part, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's diversity. Diversity is our strength, something Trudeau talked about at the U.N. today. We'll get into his U.N. speech later on in the program as well. But Trudeau's first answer when questioned about why he was going to an event that were at a group of Hutterites, And they said, women have to be at the back or upstairs, and men have to be downstairs, and they've got to be separate, and you can't intermingle. He wouldn't go to that group. He would say, no, that's wrong, and he would refuse to go. But in this case, he went, and his first answer was diversity. And then yesterday, he went, and Stephen, can we play the QP Mosque short? Yesterday, the Bloc Québécois asked a question. I want to play this audio again. Because the Bloc Québécois asked a question, and their first answer from Patty Hadjou, the Minister for uh, Status of Women, was diversity. And then they asked another question, and here's what they said. Mr. Speaker, for us in Quebec, equality between men and women is fundamental, and it's a deal-breaker. And uh, we can tell that that is not the case for this government. Will the Minister of Status of Women, does she find it acceptable that her Prime Minister speak in a mosque that practices sexual segregation? Is that the Liberals' Canada, Mr. Speaker? The Status of Women. component of feminism is supporting women's right to choose. And when we respect communities and their safe communities and we meet them in a place where, where they have determined the rules of engagement, that is exactly what we believe in when we support feminism in this country. Thank you very much. A woman's right to choose is always liberal euphemism for abortion. So they're invoking abortion for saying, because we're good on abortion, we can do this just doesn't seem right to me. I'd love your thoughts beyond the news at CFRA.com. That piece is up at the Rebel. We'll talk about it coming up at the bottom of the hour. I was waiting for it. I'd hoped it would be up earlier, 
I didn't want to break my own embargo. But when uh, when we come back, a couple of news updates for you, and then bottom of the hour, I'll bring you the story of the the bureaucrats. Wait, they're not even bureaucrats; they're political staffers doing what liberals used to scream about. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Catch the story on uh, CTV News at 6 about premium gas not helping your uh, your car. Michael O'Byrne had it. Fascinating story. Um, apparently, we're wasting $2 billion a year across the country paying for premium gas because it doesn't improve your performance. I thought it did. Well, of course, I don't drive cars that call for that, but I thought if your car called for it. I don't know. We'll check in with that later on. Uh, Kathleen Wynn appeared uh she did uh, made an offensive gesture today she appeared at the international plowing match in wellington county uh that's in and around the guelph area the the actual plowing match which has taken place in eastern ontario before and is uh i don't know how it's international maybe they find someone from pennsylvania to drop by or something but it basically moves around rural ontario and Kathleen Wynne made an offensive gesture in that, as I said, she showed up. Politicians from Queen's Park go to this event every year. And if you want to get elected, you show up and you drive a tractor and you try and show that you've got rural country roots. A couple of years ago, she got on the tractor in the wrong way. She was driving it incorrectly. Well, today, that wasn't the problem. It was that she raised the issue of electricity prices in the province of Ontario prompting one man to yell out liar and then have her get booed during the opening ceremonies at this huge agricultural event. It's very important that we understand that things like electricity costs, and we are working to bring those electricity costs down. No, no, I know. <laughs> I, hear, I hear a mixed response to that. Mixed response. Yeah, meh. That, those were your people clapping, Kathleen? And those were regular people booing because I don't know a single person that is happy with their electricity rates, regardless of their political persuasion. None. Only your own people clap at the idea that you're going to subsidize this by charging more and then rebating part of it back. Huh? Who in the what now? It's a sham. Your entire rebate system is a sham. You want to know how big this international plowing match is, though, when it comes to the political culture in Ontario? The legislature actually shuts down for two days because of it. They just got back. They just got back for their fall sitting. They shut down for two days so everyone can go to it. So they're shut down today and tomorrow and back on Thursday. That tells you something. Speaking of which... Breaking a federal story tonight. Hope to be breaking a provincial story in time for them all going back. Hmm. We'll see about that. We've been talking a lot about how Canada is back at the U.N., right? You've heard that. We're back. We're back, baby. 
Canada's back. And Justin Trudeau wants to send an unknown number of peacekeepers and an unknown millions. I think it's over 400 peacekeepers and $600 million, I think. Uh, But to where? Who knows? We don't know. Mostly they've been talking about Africa, but now, according to a report by the Canadian press and reporter Terry Pedwell, the feds are considering sending unarmed observers to monitor the peace agreement in Colombia. The defense minister's office has confirmed Colombia is one of the options being considered as the government decides where to deploy upwards of 600 Canadian peacekeepers. Sources say Canadian officials have been in contact with the U.N. looking for more information about the observer mission in Colombia, including potential security hazards. The Colombian government and revolutionary armed forces of Colombia agreed to a peace deal last month, ending 50 years of fighting. If all goes as expected, the U.N. will deploy 450 unarmed observers for about a year to monitor implementation of the agreement. Terry Pedro, the Canadian Press, Ottawa. Can I just say bad idea? They they were fighting for 50 years. In some cases, we're talking about narco-terrorist groups that are thrown into the mix as well, dealing in Colombia's cocaine trade, and, hey, let's send unarmed military observers into the mix. Um, No, let's not. I'm not saying don't send anybody. Just don't send them in unarmed. That makes no sense to me. You want them to peace, keep the peace? Give them the tools to keep the peace. Lester Pearson, the liberal demigod that everyone credits with starting peacekeeping, at least believed in having a robust military as an option. There was no other way to keep the peace than having people stand between the sides that were armed. This makes no sense to me. But neither does the fact that Justin Trudeau went to the United Nations and was talking all about Canadian values today. I thought we didn't have those, and I thought talking about them was racist. Silly me. Values are for liberals. So, on the sidelines, Trudeau ended up speaking to the media. We're going to bring you a chunk of his speech. I'm just going to edit out the French. Um, because, well... We're an English radio station. But Trudeau was talking about China with reporters and said that the the two countries have been engaged in a high-level dialogue on security issues and talk of negotiation, uh, negotiating an extradition treaty. But then he went on to say that even as he talks and negotiates with China, He's not going to abandon those racist Canadian values. In the pro- Wait a minute. No, it doesn't say that. It just says Canadian values. But again, I thought liberals told us a few weeks ago Canadian values were racist. But don't worry. Trudeau says he's not going to abandon Canadian values while talking to the Chinese. As I said, any discussions around uh, extradition, for example, will be very much in line with uh, Canadian principles and Canadian values and Canadian expectations, which are very high when it comes to extradition. Hold on. Can you go back and play that again there? That value. What, what was that V word he said there, Stephen? What was that V word in the middle? As I said, any discussions around uh, extradition, for example, will be very much in line with uh, Canadian principles and Canadian values and Canadian expectations, which are very high when it comes to extradition. Right. Canadian values, Canadian principles. The things that liberals can talk about, that New Democrats can talk about, that when conservatives talk about them, Well, then it's racist. Then it's bigoted. Then it's dog whistle. 
Give me a break. It's like this whole Skittles thing with Donald Trump Jr. He posted a photo saying, if I told you this bowl of Skittles had three in it that could kill you, would you still take a handful? Then he compared that to the Syrian refugee crisis and said that there might only be a small number, but they could still kill you. Do you want to grab a handful? That's being described as dog whistle politics in playing on Trayvon Martin because Trayvon Martin bought Skittles before he was killed in his fight with George Zimmerman. Really? How dumb do you have to be to believe that? How dumb, how idiotic do you have to be to be walking around saying, well, that that has to do with Trayvon Martin. See, that's Trayvon Martin. That's dog whistle. You can disagree with Donald Trump Jr. on this, by the way, without it turning out to be dog whistle racist politics. Trayvon Martin was also getting drank. He was getting the ingredients to put together this thing that gets you a cheap high that night. So anybody getting high is that dog whistle? I, I don't have my lefty decoder ring. I must have lost it. Left it in my pant pocket when I dropped off the dry cleaning or something, but I can't find it. All right, last clip. Let's go to this quickly. New Jersey man suspected of the weekend bombings. Ahmad Ramani. It turns out he was uh, under suspicion before uh, by his father, according to Warren Levinson at AP. Ahmad Rahami's father called the FBI two years ago to warn his son might be hanging out with terrorists. Mohammed Rahami later retracted that claim, saying only that he was concerned Ahmad had gotten in with a rough crowd. In any case, the Bureau looked into the matter, didn't find any connections, and dropped it. The younger Rahami is recovering from injuries sustained in the police gun battle over his arrest. Two federal officials say a notebook found when Rahami was arrested contained references to Anwar al-Awlaki, the American radical preacher killed in a drone strike, and Major Nadal Hassan, the Fort Hood gunman, Warren Levinson, New York. All right, but don't worry about it. As Mayor de Blasio of New York said, nothing to do with terrorism, nothing to see here. It was intentional, but not terrorism. Whatever. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Maybe you remember that hanky business around Justin Trudeau's Christmas vacation. It was a little bit different than Chevy Chase's Christmas vacation. He didn't have a crazy uh, relative drop by in an RV. Not saying he didn't have crazy relatives drop by. We all have those. Right. I think we've all it's it's why Christmas vac- National Lampoon's Christmas vacation is so endearing, because we can all relate to having that relative. That you just want to leave. In fact, the guys out at Whippersnapper Beer in Bell's Corners, um, they've got a beer name for that. I can't say the name of the beer on the radio, but it's get the out. And I said, what do you call it that for? And they said, that's the beer you give to your relative when it's time for them to go. And they just won't leave. Justin Trudeau went to St. Kitts. Beautiful tropical island over Christmas. I have no problem with the Prime Minister taking a vacation. I have no problem with him using the Challenger jet. Let me just put that up front. 
Everybody needs a vacation. Maybe not five in the first nine months, as Trudeau and his family have done on our dime. But I have no problem with him taking a vacation. And since he's the prime minister, he has special security needs, special travel needs. And so he has to use a government jet. Yeah, he's not going to fly coach. Just for the security reasons, that can't happen. And so it's going to cost us a bit more. Okay. But when you're using government resources, the public has a right to know about it. And so it has been a longstanding practice that whether it's the prime minister or the governor general or a cabinet minister, that when they fly on the Challenger jet, the public has a right to know who was on the jet, who was on the flight manifest. There's a story in August from the state broadcaster and then picked up elsewhere about how the original flight manifest for Trudeau's trip to St. Kitts, there was something odd about it. Because the original flight manifest was released back in March, but it only had a certain number of names on it, and then they released another one in the summer, in July. And there were three extra names on it. Marion Pieo, one of the nannies working for Trudeau and his family, as well as Jean Gregoire and Estelle Blay, otherwise known as his in-laws. Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, that, that's her parents. They went along for the trip. But the original manifest, as I said, did not have the in-laws or the nanny on it. And then they released another manifest in July and like, oh yeah, so uh, the in-laws and the nanny, they were there. Now, that's odd that they would do that. Correct the record. Normally, if you submit an access to information request, and that's how these things are released, and something is removed, you know that something was there and was removed. That's the way it's supposed to work. And there are many reasons that they will remove information. Sometimes it's privacy. Sometimes it's national security. And all of the reasons that you can remove information... All of the reasons you can redact it, I hate that term, but that's the technical term, all of the reasons you can redact information are laid out in the Access to Information Act. And so as you're reading through a document, you'll see uh, a little blank space, and it'll say on the side 18-1C or 19-2 or 68.1, all these different reasons that you can take information out. But when you do take information out, you have to give the reason so that as you're looking at it, you can say, okay, well, that was privacy, yeah, that was third-party information, that was security, so on and so forth. And that's all acceptable practice. But none of that was there on the original manifest. In fact, there was no explanation given. And if you looked at the original release of the manifest, you wouldn't even know that any information had ever been missing. None at all. So what happened? Fact is, we don't really know. But if you go to my Facebook page now, you'll see the link to my story at therebel.media. And this includes the full 69-page Access to Information release. And there's a lot of interesting info in there, and I'm going to go through more of it in coming days. But just the original part that I wanted to break today, that I wanted to talk about today, shows that, well, in my view, it shows 
that there's a strong case to be made for political interference. Why? Because these documents show that before any information was released to the public, three staffers inside the PMO were contacted by a bureaucrat, and they were asked, any information you uh, want us to take out there? Hmm? Now, we, didn't, we don't see any follow-up emails in this. There's no explanation for why these things were missing after that email went out on February 5th from a woman named Maureen Kay, operations manager at the 412 Squadron. That's the military wing that looks after air transportation for government dignitaries like the governor general, like the prime minister, cabinet ministers, and so on. But that email was addressed to several people, including John Ziricelli, who's director of operations in the PMO, his executive assistant, Kate Vanjervan, and the manager of operations at the PMO, Naomi Julien. And in part, the email read as follows. It has been determined that the enclosed Challenger mission report is of interest to your institution. It is requested that your office review the document and provide recommendations for the release of the information. Please note that rationale must be provided for any portions recommended for redaction. I said no reply on this. No reply from anyone included in the document asking for names to be dropped. Uh, but after this email, the politically damaging and embarrassing names are dropped. No explanation. So I called up a bunch of people that I know have worked in ministers' offices and in the, in the PMO in the past and said, what's going on here? And the descriptions that I got ranged from odd to unusual, potentially against the rules, potentially illegal. In fact, going back through the records, you can see that the liberals in the past have berated the conservatives over what they said was, and what truly was, political interference in the release of access to information documents. 2006, the then director of communications for Stephen Harper, woman named Sandra Buckler, she was CC'd on an email that included information about an access request and the reporter's name, Jim Bronskill from the Canadian Press. Well, the Liberals freaked out, so did the media, and demanded to that there be an investigation. 2009, a staffer and then public works minister, Christian Paradis office, Sebastian Tongjeri, Tognari, sorry, he was found to have interfered. He tried to unrelease an access to information document. Here we've got three staffers inside the PMO being asked, do you want anything released? And then suddenly there's three names taken off. And then later on, three names appear on the manifest. The nanny and the in-laws. Also of interest, an official at DND was sent a, a letter saying, we want to give you a heads up. We plan on releasing this in about 10 days. We wanted to give you a full heads up that this is going to happen so that you have time to prepare your communication lines. woman named uh, Kimberly Emby, Empey at DND sent a letter February 11th telling them, the enclosed document relevant to the request has been prepared for release in accordance with the Access to Information Act in order to ensure that your institution is allotted the necessary time to prepare communication materials released to this re related to this release 
We are providing a copy of the portions of the records that may be of interest to you. Goes on to explain they'll release these documents on or around February 25th. That's February 11th it was sent. Former conservative staffers I've spoken to said, uh, yeah, we didn't get that kind of heads up. We would get a heads up maybe the day before. But that's as it should be. You do not want, you do not want anyone interfering with the public's ability to access and find out what's really going on. You don't want political staffers going in and trying to say, hey, take this out, take that out. As citizens, we have the right to know what's going on. As citizens, we have the ability to pay our five bucks and and figure out if the government is telling the truth. In this case, something funny is going on. Political staff were given the ability to edit access to information documents before they were released. Those documents were obviously altered in some way, later changed again, and they're giving them weeks of lead time to provide talking points. None of this makes any sense, and what I see in these documents is a level of coordination and potentially political interference at the Trudeau PMO that goes against all the openness and transparency that he campaigned on, all the promises he made, all his talk about how access to information was a pillar of our democracy, his only only private member's bill before he became prime minister, was about changing the access to information system. And here... Here it looks like you've got people inside the PMO fiddling with the documents. There's enough here that I think the information commissioner should be launching an investigation. This may not seem like much to some, but this is enough for people to lose their jobs. This could be enough. Ask Sebastian Tognari. He was actually facing a criminal probe by the RCMP. This can get you into legal trouble, but there is at least enough for the information commissioner to launch an investigation into political interference, and the only question is, will she? This is a story the other media outlets are going to do their best to ignore until they can't anymore. Do myself a favor. Do yourself a favor. Do Canada a favor. Go to my Facebook page right now, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Hit share on this story. Back in moments. with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Sorry. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Just taking a moment there. Brad and Angelina. Brad and Angelina. <sighs> I shouldn't mock them. They, they are a Hollywood power couple, but right now both of them obviously going through pain. Um, we'll talk to, uh, to Devin Saltnick, uh, from, um, eTalk Daily about that later on in the show. Uh, but I did ask folks uh, if you wanted to drop me a line on what you thought of it. And Caroline emailed in and said, Brian, I'm just surprised that Pitt stayed so long. Jolie is a control freak and thinks she's something she's not. It's all about her. She seeks attention. That interview coming up later on in the show. Uh, and as you know, 
if anybody knows these guys, it's uh, it's Devin. So we've got the goods there. Do we have the right goods when it comes to how we're washing our hands and how we're checking things out? There's a couple of guys that I like to listen to when it comes to common sense issues around medicine, around science. One is Dr. Joe Schwartz off off of our sister station, CJAD 800 in Montreal. It's not like I didn't used to say that 20 times a day. Uh, CJAD in Montreal, Dr. Joe Schwartz and Dr. Barry Dworkin here on Newstalk 580 CFRA. Health headlines this morning with Bill Carroll was all about, are we doing more harm than good using antibacterial soap? That hand gel stuff is everywhere these days, even in hospitals. Come on, it can't be bad. Well, actually, the hand gel is okay because hand gel is alcohol. And so that, that in itself is not the same thing. It's not going to produce antibacterial uh, bacterial resistance because the alcohol simply blows up the bacteria. So what they're talking about is a compound called triclosan, which is a, a chemical that was used, antibacterial chemical used in hospitals at first. And what happened is, is that, and it worked very well in hospitals and still to some extent does, but it was commercialized and, and marketed to the general public because if you're using it in hospitals, it must be great for your home because you can kill off the bacteria, bacteria there as well. But with overuse, what has happened is that you have produced resistant bacteria, and as a result, it's really not as effective anymore. And further, the, when, when you think about it, when you wash your hands, the triclosan goes down the sink, and in, in many places where filtration systems and, and, uh, and sanitation services uh, remove bacteria from the water supply to purify it, these particular uh, compounds, because they use, they use in some of these systems, in fact, in New York City they use this uh, a lot, is they use what's called microbial bioreactors, which means it's, uh, they have bacteria sitting in, in there that actually are good bacteria that break down a lot of the uh, pollutants in the water. And if you're using triclosan, what will happen is it will go into the system and kill off these good bacteria in your sanitation system, rendering it less effective at cleaning your water supply. So that's part of the reason as well that they want to get rid of this stuff, not just because it's not very helpful for people anymore and producing bacterial resistance, but it also is affecting the environment in cities where that depend upon bacteria to clean their water. Well, you know what? It's hard to even know where this stuff is now, right? Because it can be in some cleaning products that you use in the kitchen and... Hand soap sometimes now is antibacterial, has these ingredients in it. So it's not a clear-cut case of, you know, I'll just use old-fashioned soap. You've got to really check to see what's in it. You do, and in fact, in the U.S. now, they they have banned it. They've decided just the FDA has basically said no more. You're not going to be able to have this in in these products. Uh, Not happening yet in Canada, as Health Canada says, oh, well, we're looking at it to see what we're going to do. But really, there's really no place for it. Soap and water works perfectly fine. I mean, soap and water works by doing two things. It, 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 it's a physical removal on the surface of the skin. It'll just take things off. Uh, it, it'll take off dead skin cells where, where bacteria are sticking to them. And also, it'll disrupt the membranes or the outer coating of the bacteria and viruses, certain viruses. And so it'll take those away as well. And it works just perfectly fine. Soap and water will do it as long as you're... The problem is that people only wash their hands for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and, you know, they stand at the sink, they put a little soap on, or even they just put water on their hands, don't even bother using soap, and they just rinse their hands underwater, and then they wipe their hands. And that's not sufficient enough to lift off the bacteria and clean your hands. No, we expect, it, uh, we expect our surgeons to stand in there with a scrub brush and yeah. doing under the fingernails and, you know, for like 
five minutes. Yeah. And, but, but we'll go wipe, 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 a little hot water, a little soap, we're out the door. Yeah. Usually it's about a minute. You take about a minute. Nobody and, and does a minute. I know, and that's that's part of the problem. So hence these products that come out that, that give you uh, an out, right? Use this for, for 15 seconds and, and away you go. Sure. But um, it's just not something that really is necessary. And, and, and again, Okay, can we is, just another clarification? Because yeah. I read last week that millennials don't use bar soap anymore. They're using liquid soap for the shower, liquid soap for their hands. Yeah. We've mostly made that transition in our house as well. Uh, as long as it's not the antibacterial stuff, right. you can still get regular soap in a liquid form. Yeah, I mean, we have li- liquid soap here as well. It's not antibacterial, and, and it just it's for convenience. It's easier for right. people. It's, it's stored more easily. You don't have the bar on the on And the, the other hand cleaner that you get uh, sometimes at the office, we have it at the bathroom doors. Yeah. The one that ha- you just rub and it evaporates, that's not, that's not what we're talking about either. That's that's right. That's just alcohol, and as long as it's a concentration of alcohol that's 99%, which is usually what you find in these products, you're not going to get bacterial resistance with that. It literally just blasts the bacteria away. The problem is is that after it doesn't lift anything off your skin, so really all it's doing is it's killing bacteria on there, but you still have your dead skin cells, and it, it's, it's, it's in a pinch you would use that. Right. But really, soap and water is the more effective, uh, effective solution. Yeah, I'll use that sometimes. I've been shaking a lot of hands. Yeah, and, there's yeah, no and that's fine because you, you can't get but, near a sink and stuff. So that right. so that's fine. But once you're you know in the bathroom and you do your business, you use you use soap and water, not just the alcohol stuff. I uh, I use it after I've washed my hands and then I've opened the door. Yeah, that's how freaked out I get. That's how paranoid. Now, one other clarification: Matt sure. and I were looking out the window here at the Byward Market yesterday, and we saw someone and uh, squirting hand soap into Sprite and drinking it. This is very very bad. Uh, I, I would say that is yes. I mean that's the wrong kind of alcohol to be that, drinking, that's, right? That's that's the wrong. Uh, that's that's yeah. It's usually isopropyl alcohol that's in these things, or or but, there may be some ethanol in there, but I think it's usually isopropyl alcohol they're using. It's not the same alcohol. Not a healthy thing no, to be doing. Tearing your no. guts apart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doctor Barry, wise words as always. You can catch Doctor Barry Dworkin each and every morning with health headlines. About 6.50 in the morning, just before the 7 o'clock news with Bill Carroll. And, of course, the Wednesday House Call on Wednesday, 1 until 2, during News and Views with Rob Snow. Uh, We do have that Angelina Jolie-Brad Pitt thing coming up, which, by the way, Joe wrote in and said, I thought he had made it with Jennifer Aniston. She's a goddess! You have thoughts on Jolie Pitt? Beyond the news at CFRA.com. When we come back, I'll give you my thoughts on Patrick Brown's latest... I gave him three things to do a couple of weeks ago. One of them was stop shooting people in your own tent. Something he should do. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. It takes a special kind of man to stand before the world's leaders and talk about how wonderful you are while claiming to be humble. But that's what Justin Trudeau did earlier today at the U.N. General Assembly. About 10 minutes, we'll bring you highlights of that speech. And I'll also talk a little bit about a story that I know many of you are aghast at, and that is that Justin Trudeau's got a team of seven that will follow him around to make his little YouTube videos. Didn't they say he wouldn't be doing those vanity videos? Didn't he denounce the conservatives for this sort of thing? Yeah, you know, it's like the Canadian values thing that I was chewing him out on earlier. It's racist if conservatives do it. It's bad if conservatives have 
staff that follow them around making videos like 24-7 or the, the one Pierre Pauly have made about the, the, the Canada Child um, uh, benefit. That's all wrong. But if you've got a video crew that follows Justin Trudeau around to shoot videos that get a mm, couple hundred views, well then, hey, that's just fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, unless people think I only uh, pick on liberal politicians, have you met Patrick Brown? Patrick Brown. Will the real Patrick Brown please stand up? Still waiting for that. But there's a rally at Queen's Park tomorrow by people that felt they were drawn in by Patrick Brown and his promises on issues like the sex ed curriculum. The organization PAFE, Parents' as First Educators, will hold that rally, and they're asking, what did Patrick Brown know and when did he know it? This, of course, all relates to his whole claim that he didn't know about that sex ed letter that went out in Scarborough Rouge River. Well, in response to some of the people who Brown courted openly and forcefully during his leadership campaign and who have turned around and released emails, like Jack Fonseca, and we played Evan's interview with Jack yesterday, and I read the emails to you. In response to that, Brown has lashed out again. Now, after the whole Scarborough Rouge River thing, I'm like, okay, fine. We can't take another four years of Kathleen Wynne. And this is the only leader the PCs have right now. I'm not voting NDP. Let's see if we can get past this. I did a piece for the rebel, and I talked about it here, where I said, look, three lessons for the Ontario PCs out of the whole debacle around Scarborough Rouge River. In the lead-up to it, the fact that they pulled it off didn't matter. The three lessons were simply this. you got to figure out what your message is, and then stick to that message. Because Brown, quite frankly, on sex ed, nobody believes him because he's had four different positions. He was against it, then he was for it, then he was against it, then he was for it. So neither side on this issue believe him. You can't have that. You've got to decide what your position is, decide what your message is, and then stick to it. Or you're not, voters just will simply not trust you. So that was lesson one from Scarborough Rouge River. Figure out what your message is, stick to it. Lesson two. Keep the focus on Kathleen Wynne and her scandals, her problems. They are legion. This shouldn't be tough. And then lesson three is the one that Patrick Brown is having trouble with. Lesson three was stop shooting inside your own tent. Every political party is a coalition, and you need different factions to come together for the greater cause. And in this case, the greater cause is booting Kathleen Wynne from office. In response to Jack Fonseca and others coming forward, and they were being pestered by media, what do you mean? What do you mean? You got emails? You can show that Brown believed this? Well, they released those emails. What should Brown have done? He should have taken it on the chin. He should have just been quiet. Instead, well, he took to Facebook and lashed out at the people that he had courted openly not that long ago. He, courted, he lashed out at them again, calling those who disagree with his new position bigots. I'm not sure how that helps you win friends and influence people, Patrick. I really don't. 
But 23 hours ago, so near the end of the show, this was posted, was between 9 and 10 last night. He wrote, Dear friends, I've said that I'm a pragmatic progressive conservative. It means being willing to change your mind when presented with compelling evidence and accepting good ideas no matter where they originate. There are plenty of political experts who will say this is weakness. I think Ontarians are more reasonable. Yes, my views on Ontario's sexual education curriculum and similar issues have evolved. I opposed the changes to the curriculum when they were first introduced. They were undeniably controversial, and Kathleen Wynne failed to explain it adequately to parents. Even Dalton McGuinty backed away from implementing them. Time and evidence of my own eyes tell me that I was mistaken. Concerns were exaggerated and have not borne out. I've met with many educators, parents, and school boards, some of whom oppose the curriculum, and they are satisfied with how it's, being impl- or how it's been implemented. Further, I have since come to the conclusion that significant opposition to the curriculum was rooted in a refusal to accept LGBT elements into the curriculum. Sorry, chewing on a holes. He said, it's not the first time I've been on the wrong side of an issue. Goes on to explain uh, his opposition to... Uh, same-sex marriage and how he's changed. He said, and while I stand for consultation, or wait, let me just go back up a bit more. He said, the curriculum must take into account changing attitudes in the world in which children will grow. They are being asked to understand challenging topics in ways their parents were not. I'm sorry that Mr. Fonseca and members of his group are upset, but I'm running to lead all Ontarians. And while I stand for consultation, it doesn't mean opening the door to intolerance. If that's the price to be paid by my, uh, is my political opponents will say a flip-flop, so be it. <clears throat> he then goes on to talk about how being a modern PC party means being fiscally conservative and socially progressive. That's the exact opposite of what he ran on. He's only leader because he courted the social conservatives who he now describes as intolerant. He needs them within the tent, and instead he's purging them. And once again, he's going after Rob Benzies in the Toronto Star and groveling to them. He's not looking inside his own tent he sh- other than to shoot at would-be supporters, people that would naturally lean to him. And if this is, if there is a, an issue that makes me question Patrick Brown's leadership, it's this. We can all make mistakes on policy. We can all make mistakes in an election. I can get that. But attacking the people that brought you to the dance, killing off part of your coalition on an issue that if you phrase it properly, most parents would agree with you on and not see it as controversial, despite what the Toronto Red Star says. He could have won on this. Instead, he continues to ignore a lesson that any political observer would offer. Don't shoot inside your own tent. If Patrick Brown doesn't figure that out soon, he really will be toast. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments.
You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Do you remember when Justin Trudeau and the Liberals said that the Prime Minister's office shouldn't be making vanity videos for Stephen Harper? Well, they're making them for Justin Trudeau. And if you go to his Facebook or his, um, the official website of the Prime Minister, it doesn't say Prime Minister of Canada. It's got Justin Trudeau in huge letters. The whole thing's a vanity project. So was his trip to New York. We'll get more into that in a little bit. But his whole trip to New York was about his own vanity, his love of the U.N., his desire to put Canada at the feet of this globalist entity. I want to bring you part of his speech because it's, and, and I'm not going to comment in the middle, I'm just going to play it. I've edited out the French to bring you just the English parts, but here he is talking about how modest and humble Canada is, and basically the rest of the world has to copy us because we're so awesome. It's not that I disagree that Canada's awesome, it's just he's so smarmy while he does this. And when leaders are faced with citizens' anxiety, we have a choice to make. Do we exploit that anxiety or do we allay it? Exploiting it is easy. But in order to allay it, we need to be prepared to answer some very direct questions. What will create the good well-paying jobs that people want and need and deserve? What will strengthen and grow the middle class and help those working hard to join it? What will build an economy that works for everyone? What will help to make the world a safer, more peaceful place? To allay people's anxiety, we need to create economic growth that is broadly shared, because a fair and successful world is a peaceful one. We need to focus on what brings us together, not on what divides us. For Canada, that means re-engaging in global affairs through institutions like the United Nations. It doesn't serve our interests or the world's to pretend we're not deeply affected by what happens beyond our borders. We've done all this and will do much more because we believe we should confront anxiety with a clear plan to deal with its root causes. And we believe we should bring people together around shared purposes like the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Because what is the alternative? To exploit anxiety, to turn it into fear and blame, to reject others because they look or speak or pray differently than we do? You see, in Canada, we got a very important thing right. Not perfect, but right. In Canada, we see diversity as a source of strength, not weakness. Our country is strong not in spite of our differences, but because of them. And make no mistake, we've had many failures, from the internment of Ukrainian, Japanese, and Italian Canadians during the World Wars, to our turning away of boats of Jewish and Punjabi refugees, to the shamefully continuing marginalization 
of indigenous peoples. What matters is that we learn from our mistakes and recommit ourselves to doing better. To that end, in recent months, Canadians have opened their hearts and their arms to families fleeing the ongoing conflict in Syria. And from the moment they arrived, those 31,000 refugees were welcomed not as burdens, but as neighbors and friends, as new Canadians. You see, refugees are people with the same hopes and dreams as our own citizens. But while our people have felt anxiety, Syrians faced catastrophe. Do you want to know where the Syrian middle class is? Well, they're living in refugee camps in Turkey, Lebanon, and Jordan. They're moving across Europe looking for a place to set down roots, to get their kids back into school, to find steady work and to become productive citizens. Refugee camps are teeming with Syria's middle class. Doctors and lawyers, teachers and entrepreneurs. They're well-educated, they work hard, they care about their families, they want a better life, a safer and more secure future for their kids, as we all do. So when I say that I hope that Syrian refugees will be, that we welcomed will be soon able to join our middle class, I'm confident that we can make that happen and we'll do it by offering them the same things we offer to all our citizens, a real and fair chance at success for everyone. In the end, my friends, there is a choice to be made. Strong, diverse, resilient countries like Canada didn't happen by accident, and they won't continue without effort. Every single day, we need to choose hope over fear, diversity over division. Fear has never created a, a single job or fed a single family. And those who exploit it will never solve the problems that have created such anxiety. Our citizens, the nearly seven and a half billion people we collectively serve, are better than the cynics and pessimists think they are. People want their problems solved not exploited. Listen, Canada is a modest country. We know we can't solve these problems alone. We know we need to do this all together. We know it will be hard work. But we're Canadian, and we're here to help. Justin Trudeau at the United Nations General Assembly earlier today. Um, by the way, that pause that he put in, waiting for the applause after his line about Syrian refugees, it was written into a speech. Uh, a couple of reporters tweeted that out. They wrote in, pause for applause. He got it. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Uh, coming up, 
We'll talk with uh, with Devin from eTalk about Brangelina. I'll tell you a little bit more about Trudeau. And at 8.35, that's your next chance to qualify for the Sens Ultimate Season Seats Giveaway. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Yes, the phone lines are lighting up for the Ultimate Send Super Seats giveaway. Caller 25 will be the next uh, person to qualify into this draw that will be held two weeks' time. You, Your next chance, if you don't make it this time, you have another chance to get in at 935. And then starts all over again tomorrow morning. But 935, if, if you don't get in now, you can still call in now, but if you don't get in now, then it is tonight at 935. When Stephen Harper and the Conservative launched uh, something called 24-7, it was a, a weekly video done to showcase what the prime, prime Minister was doing. It was called a vanity video. It was denounced by liberals and you Democrats. It was denounced by the media. And we were told that bureaucrats shouldn't be spending time going around producing these little videos that nobody watched. And let's face it, I watched some of them to see what it was about. Nobody watched 24-7. It'd get a couple hundred views, maybe. The liberals promised they would do something different. Well, guess what? They're still doing vanity videos, and bureaucrats are still producing them on our dime. The story on ctvnews.ca, seven staffers needed to make PM Justin Trudeau's YouTube videos. Laura Payton, online news bureau uh, producer, writes, It takes an average of seven civil servants to produce the YouTube videos used to promote Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, according to documents newly released in Parliament. The response to an order paper question tabled by Conservative MP Pierre Polyev shows the cost of producing dozens of YouTube videos from November 4th, uh, Trudeau government swearing in, to mid-May was $27,185.88. I don't buy that for a minute. There's no way you get seven staffers. So I'd have to look at how Pierre asked the question and how they answered. But this is probably up above and beyond the salaries for these seven bureaucrats. Or we're missing a a number in there. Must be missing a number because they say it uh, goes back to um, $49,000 editing system. Well, that's, that's higher than that figure. So something's amiss there. But the bottom line is Justin Trudeau said, no, 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 we won't do things this way. Justin Trudeau said they will do things differently when elected. Now, I'm on his YouTube page right now, but let me go back to his general website. The website for the Prime Minister of Canada, regardless of who it is, is always pm.gc.ca. If you go there now, there's a large photo of Justin Trudeau walking up the stairs to his third floor office. I know the staircase he's on. It's the one you see on TV of the prime minister and cabinet ministers coming down the stairs to take part in question period. He's got his hand on the brass railing. He's walking up the stairs, small letters. It says office of the prime minister. There's the Canada wordmark logo off to the side. It's a little bit bigger. And then Justin Trudeau in big letters. And then you get to pick English or French. I'll pick English. You go through. 
And then it's Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada. A lot of uh, videos, a lot of photos on this website. But he does have his own YouTube page. Give you an idea of what's posted on it. This week, he's posted four days ago, Prime Minister Trudeau addresses the Canada-China, I have to click on it to see the full name, a business council in Shanghai. That has received 324 views. His announcement of initiatives in China, 335 views. His press conference following the G20, 99 views. His funding announcement regarding, we got to click through on that, uh, Calgary's Ring Road, 482 views. Some of them get into the thousands. But most of them, very few views. This is exactly what he promised not to do, and yet it is exactly what he is doing. It's a bit like the story that I broke earlier, and many of you, thank you for retweeting it. Thank you for sharing it on Facebook. If you haven't yet, it's facebook.com slash Brian Lilly, and click share on the story. The liberals campaigned and campaigned and campaigned and promised we will do things differently. And now they're not. They're doing things just as they, in the same way they criticized the conservatives for. And so the story that I broke today, the missing in-laws, the missing nanny on the flight manifest, it seemed strange. And lots of people in the media, when that story came out, were saying, hold on, something's weird about this. In March... No nanny, no in-laws. In July, nanny and in-laws. Oh, sorry, it was a clerical error. It's a mistake. Then we A-tip a bunch of stuff around that, trying to find out what was going on, and we see that there were three political staffers. Trudeau's director of operations, his manager of operations, and the executive assistant to the director of operations. All of them inside this email chain Asking, do you want anything taken out? Like maybe, say, the nanny and the in-laws. Investigations have been launched for less. Investigations have been uh, launched for lesser sins. There has to be an investigation launched here. We have to know, was there political interference? Because the paper trail so far... It doesn't say it. By the way, I won't play any more audio. I see many of you complaining in email and on tweets to me to stop it. You don't like his voice. Had to tell you what he said. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we come back, Frangelina, is it truly over? Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Of course, that was Rachel Green, a.k.a. Jennifer Aniston and Friends, a scene where she was telling Ross that uh, she was over him. That was all over social media today after the news broke this morning that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, a.k.a. Brangelina, were over. It's it's hard to believe. It's hard to fathom. I know that at one point they they brought together a... Uh, a news meeting here in the building, and they called for a moment of silence. That's how seriously 
people take this? Well, Devin Soltendeek is with eTalk Daily, and he joins me now from uh, Toronto on the line. Devin, thanks for the time tonight. Uh, this My is pleasure. huge news for you guys. Yeah, we were, we, were, we were scrambling. I literally got back. I stepped off a plane last night from, from L.A., from the Emmys uh, at about 11 last night. And you really never know when news is going to break. I got into the office around maybe 6.30 this morning uh, to do some, some stuff that I had to kind of get going. And the morning was starting, so, you know, starting, it was starting pretty slow at well, 10.30. You, well, you were out on the red carpet last night. Let me I, ask you I, that. So you, yeah. you, you're out there. You're at the Emmys. You've got all yeah. these celebs. Mm-hmm. Was there any gossip about this? Any no, whispers? No, nothing, nothing. Lainey had reported on her blog in June that um, that there was you know trouble in the marriage. But the, the thing with blogs and the thing with tabloids is it's very difficult. It's like news reports sometimes. It's like you really don't know what to believe. And it's not just because it's gossip. It's because sometimes some sources are better than other sources. I mean, news outlets get it wrong sometimes, and, and so do tabloids. Uh, you know, TMZ is pretty thorough in their sourcing they've got impeccable sources so when tmz reports something you know we take it pretty seriously and um you know because they don't they don't miss very often and at 10 30 this morning when tmz reported that they were breaking up i mean it's like we, we kind of went into overdrive and we've been running around all day and I, I think obviously you know every news outlet has been and i think this is a story that a lot of people have really been following because yeah i mean they seemed like the perfect couple and that's always how it goes. I mean, it's, it's always how it seems. You never really know what's going on in a marriage, uh, regardless of whether or not the couple is famous. They have six beautiful children. You know, they travel the world together. They're both famous. Uh, you know, they're like a dream couple, so you assume everything is fine. Uh, and they just got married. I mean, they were they were together for eight or nine years, and they had all these children. And then two years ago, they had that surprise wedding. So you figure, well, everything must be uh, you know, great. Uh, and then today, uh, as I mentioned, we got word. Apparently, this has been five days in the making. It's been very secret on Angelina's side. Uh, she is the one who filed for divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. Um, and what was very interesting was that she was petitioning for sole custody of uh, the children. So uh, well, and, that's, and that's when the rumors. That's, that's the, when ru- that, that's when the rumors start. Basically, that that's when it's it's going to become contentious. Well, it's it's already contentious because it, look, celebrity divorces are not that different from regular divorces. Uh, there's two differences. One, of course, is that there is a money element, and we're told there's no prenup. It could be a four hundred million dollar divorce between these two. But the second is there's PR spin uh, involved, and we were hearing almost all morning only PR spin from her side. In that, you know, we were starting to hear, well, she's breaking up with him because. Uh, of a difference in in parenting styles. Then we started to hear, well, there's allegations of substance abuse on on, his side, or at least alcohol uh, abuse. Weed Uh, weed and alcohol, according to TMZ. uh, Potentially. Uh, But again, this is all sourcing on uh, her side, which tells you he did not, he and his people did not see this coming at all. It took about three and a half hours for him to issue a statement saying, look, the fact of the matter is that he's disappointed, uh, he is sad, but the focus really is the children. But three and a half hours is a lifetime in PR, especially when you're a movie star like Brad Pitt, which you know really begs the question, what did he and his team know? Uh, and the answer, at least right now, seems to be very little. He was totally blindsided. I got to say, as far as I can tell, uh, female productivity in the workforce especially dropped off between 10.30 and noon, let's say. Yeah, I think productivity... Uh, productivity overall, but mainly computer. women, I'd yeah. say. 
Really? Why, why would you say that? Uh, because all the women I talked to in the building were like, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I just couldn't work for a while. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not that everyone wasn't talking about it. I, you know, I'm just going based on what I hear in the building here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, we were running around, so I didn't I didn't get a chance to do a pew poll, but uh, it was uh, it was pretty <laughs> exciting here, that's for sure. So I mean, as exciting as divorce can be, let's keep it in in perspective. Yeah, and at at the heart of this is a family with, uh, as you say, six beautiful children. They range yep. from age eight to fifteen. Yeah, are, are they? They're all adopted, aren't they? They are not all adopted. Uh, they have some uh, adopted children. Uh, Angelina's. Uh, eldest was in her life before brad was even in in her life okay. uh they have uh, children they've had together uh and then they adopted more so yeah six in total but uh, i believe i believe uh that brad is if he's not the biological father that he is the adopted father of all those children i'm pretty sure okay uh, as this happens and uh, you know we as you say uh, a Hollywood divorce is the same as a regular mm-hmm. divorce, except there's yep. PR spin and PR and money. And yep. and money. Yep. But who does this leave as Hollywood's top power couple then? Uh, you know, are we looking at uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce, Kanye and Kim Kardashian, yeah, I, I the Beckhams, prob- what? I, that's a good question. I think uh, I think it's, I mean, it, it depends the way you look at it. I mean, like, I think that uh, Kim and Kanye are very good at, at getting us to talk about them. Uh, it, it depends what your what your barometer is for you know who is the biggest couple. I mean, if you're looking at a true power couple, uh, I think Jay Z and Beyonce are probably there, not just in terms of their social influence, but but more just because of their net worth. I mean, I think they're they're worth close to a billion dollars between the oh, two wow. of them. Uh, Kim and Kanye are, are not there at all, but uh, the two of them are very very good at at getting us to uh, to talk about them. So and- I mean, it really depends what you. Uh, what you consider to be, I, I guess, a successful power couple. And then you've got, uh, you know, couples like uh, Will Smith and and Jada Pinkett Smith, who are... have had their fair share of, of rumors about, you know, uh, them splitting oh, up and, and, and not staying together as well. I look, this kind of stuff comes with the territory. I think there are very few celebrity couples who have, you know, been able to uh, get out of, you know, that forum unscathed without, you know, people talking about, oh, they're breaking up or they are going to break up. But the fact of the matter is, look, uh, whether you're famous or not famous, uh, you know, marriage is, is difficult even in uh, the best of times. Uh, but, uh, yeah, look, when you consider the fact that they have a lot of children, uh, that, you know, they travel, they've got homes all over the world, they're on movie sets separately for months and months on end. I mean, it's, it's, these kinds of things are, are, there are a lot of blessings when it comes to being a celebrity, uh, but there are a lot of curses as well. And, and just distance, geographical and emotional can be, uh, you know, certainly play into difficulties in marriage as well. Speaking with Devin Soltendeek from eTalk Daily about the breakup of Brangelina, of course, before there was Brangelina, there was Benefer. And yep. uh, so people kept tweeting out and posting on social media, uh, you know, and I did it off the top. That's what I call closure. Do you think Jennifer Aniston is jumping for joy today, the way people <laughs> are portraying on social media? Or you know, she's I, over I, it, I think. Yeah, I, this is, I think, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to Jennifer Aniston about this before, and I think a lot of people have. Is I think, you know, the, we, we're part of the problem when it came to that. You know, I think all of us were a little bit guilty of that is, I think Jennifer Aniston moved on a long time ago, and I think the only people who who weren't allowing her to move on were, you know, uh, tabloids and and you know people who who just kept bringing this up over and over and over <laughs> again. And I think, you know, uh, 
I think part of the, the thing that she was offended about wasn't the fact that people talked about the, the celebrity relationship or her, her tying with Brad Pitt or even the way that that relationship ended is because she hadn't been married yet uh, to somebody else and he had, people assumed that, well, she, she hasn't had closure uh, and I think a lot of women were were offended by that, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, saying, "Look, I don't need to be married in order to a be over a relationship, but b to be, you know, a complete person, to be fulfilled in life. I don't need to have children in order to do that. I don't need to be somebody's wife in order to be fulfilled romantically, uh, or you know, to be able to have moved on from a relationship." And I think that. You know, uh, she was over this a long time ago. She's very happy with uh, with Justin Thoreau. Um, and quite frankly, I mean, no, I, I Jennifer Aniston strikes me as a very, very kind person. I don't think she's jumping for joy. I mean, any time a marriage ends is a very, very sad thing, especially when you have children involved. I'd agree. Uh, you know, I, I am I'm the product of divorce. Uh, I have uh, two younger sisters. My parents had, uh, you know, my parents' divorce was like peaches and cream compared to most divorces. But that being said, I mean, it, you know, it's never a happy situation. But uh, look, the best they can hope for is that these kids are happy. Uh, hopefully, you know, the, the, the press won't drag the kids into it too much. Uh, but again, I mean, it's, it's a big story, not just because they're famous people, but uh, because I, we like to model our own relationships and ourselves sometimes against you know people we love and respect and admire, not just celebrities, politicians as well. And I think that Brad and Angelina were kind of that tentpole couple that people, maybe not consciously but subconsciously, model their relationship after. A lot of people have said to me, well, if they can't make it, then how am I going to stay married? Uh, and I think that plays into it as well. We like to live uh, vicariously through these kinds of couples. As far as Jennifer Aniston goes, let's just point out that She's been married for a little while now to Justin Thoreau, who is a uh, few people. He's a cool point. guy. Yeah. Justin Thoreau is a really cool guy. So I, I I'm not happy. like you. I haven't met all these people. Right. But well, he seems pretty cool. I haven't met Justin Thoreau either, but he just seems cool to me. All right. Uh, yeah. Devin, thanks for the time. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, Devin Soltendeek with uh, eTalk Daily. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. You got a thought on Brangelina splitting? Drop me a line. Beyond the News at CFRA.com. You still alive, baby? You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Well, definitely have people talking on Twitter about this uh, exclusive story brought to you earlier tonight here on the radio and broken over at the rebel.media earlier of Justin Trudeau, or at least senior staffers in Justin Trudeau's office. It looks like they were, could have been, involved in political interference. They were definitely included in an email chain about redacting certain portions of the flight manifest that included taking Trudeau and his family, the in-laws, and the nanny included down to St. Kitts for a holiday. As I said, the issue is not that he went on holiday. The issue is not that he used a challenger. The issue here is 
were rules broken, were laws broken by having political staffers direct bureaucrats to say, yeah, take the take the nanny off and uh, and remove the the in-laws. The public doesn't need to know they were on there. Yeah, actually, they they do. You don't get privacy when you're riding on the the government jet. You're using government resources like that. The public gets to know you're on it. Doesn't matter who you are. Those are the rules. But these emails seem to show that Trudeau and company had them removed. Was it at the behest of senior political staffers in the PMO? If so, this is a major issue that should lead to an investigation, could lead to people losing their jobs or more. One former senior staffer in the Conservatives was probed by the Mounties. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. As I said, got lots of people talking about this on Twitter, including people saying, hey, Brian Lilly's one hell of an investigative journalist. Lilly's awesome. Maybe you can call in as well. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Uh, I was just about to, there it is. Michelle Flansbury was our latest qualifier in the Sands Ultimate Seats season giveaway. Your next chance to qualify is 9.35. Also willing to take your calls, your emails, your comments on Brangelina. Is it upsetting to you? Are you worried about it? Hmm. Michelle writes in about Patrick Brown. Brian, do you think there's any chance Patrick Brown could get the boot? How could it happen? That I don't know about, Michelle. Don't know how the Ontario PC party rules work, but... um, Get, giving them the boot and electing a new leader at this time uh, would hand the election to the Liberals, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that uh, that won't happen anyway if he keeps acting this way. And she also says, "Also, please do not play any more of Trudeau. He's such a phony preaching. Did he do any humanitarian work before his most recent gig? You know what? You're about the fifth, sixth person that's asked me to stop playing Trudeau's voice. I get it. Caroline, another one of them." Oh, Trudeau, what a drama queen. He should be on uh, stage in Shakespeare. The drama is over. But hey, he was well-loved at the UN today. Well-loved. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-CFRA. Joseph is calling in in Centertown. Joseph, you're on. Hey, good day. I wanted to talk to you about uh, Randall Moore today on uh, 106.1 said... uh, how grossly underpaid school bus drivers are and everything like that. Okay, I didn't hear. And uh, at the beginning of this year, I started as a school bus driver. Mm-hmm. I worked for six weeks, and I still have not gotten a paycheck. Oh, so you're on the Phoenix pay system. Well, no, it's the Campo <laughs> bus line. I know, I'm, I'm just, making a joke, is, just making a joke, Joseph, like all the civil servants on that spanking brand-new pay system that we paid through the nose I, for, and it doesn't work. I hear you, but, like, the community is hiring these companies with their most prized possession, and mm-hmm. these people are criminally robbing people. Not only is their wage nothing, it's 15 bucks an hour, and you only get paid if the students are on the bus, which is illegal. You don't get paid for your training, which is illegal. I've had to file a, uh, a uh, labor board claim, and I still haven't received any money, and they've started threatening me and threatening my family. Are, are you still driving? No, I told them, I said, I will not drive anymore until you guys pay me. And that's when they started threatening. And then I said, well, I'm filing a labor board claim. And you guys, if you want 
you can uh, mail me because after multiple times of trying to talk to them and even even going to the point of saying, you know, maybe you should just look up it online and read the laws about it because I had called the labor board to double check to make sure that I was right or if I was wrong, you know, and it turns out I was right. But six weeks of work and no paycheck. And the yeah. community trusts, uh, the community's paying these companies to drive their kids to school and they won't even pay their drivers. That uh, that doesn't seem fair. I, I can't get into the specifics of your case because I don't know it, but uh, all the best in your fight. I know how uh, difficult it can be uh, going up against folks. All right? Thanks for the call, I appreciate Joseph. it. Thanks. Have a great night. You too. Let's go to Gloria in Ottawa. Gloria, you're on Beyond the News. Hi there, Brian. You know, I just want to make this one small comment about uh, Trudeau. It seems to me that everything he ever uh, denounced about Harper, he couldn't wait to jump jump with, in with both feet. He's at least 10 times worth, uh, worse, and, and it just increases and increase, increases. He's such a phony, condescending, sanctimonious phony. Honest to God. Do you think he's a phony? Oh, he's as phony as they come, and he's fake. And he, you know, just listening to that voice of his, I force myself to listen because I really don't care what he says. It's all, he doesn't have a single original well, thought in his head, but he tries to sound so mature. It, and, and, and he talks down to people like he's giving them a lecture. Or 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 he's or he's he's looking for an Academy Award because uh, you know to him all the world is a stage and he's talking to the world leaders now so he's looking for a he he, he will probably make up uh, uh, one of these uh, awards because uh, he, he's so vain and egotistical I I obviously from the sound of me. I do not like anything about him. <laughs> I, I can't tell. You know, no, bring an know. opinion next I time, know. I Gloria. I thought I'd better clarify uh, that. John but, Iveson, writing about his piece, and it looks like John's down there, uh, oh, says yes. Trudeau wins over UN with strange speech full of liberal platitudes. Oh. Um, and, you know, that's really, really what uh, the speech was. What, what did he say? It was a lot of, it was a lot of cliches. It was a lot of platitudes. And, oh, but oh. and then he delivers it in such a way um, that it's like a lecture filled with pauses and yes. drama because he's thinking. He even he, but the thing they, is, there's they nothing wrote, there to think with. They wrote pause for applause into his copy, <laughs> and uh, that was the copy they handed out to reporters. That was a mistake. You also wanted to comment on the New York oh, City bomb. Yes, you know the thing is, I mean, uh, it, it seems to me that this this um, I'm I'm going to call this thing um, uh, how shall I say uh, politicians' disease. Um, the U.S. politicians they deny are denying that it was was a terrorist attack, even though there's bombs that were exploding and 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 harming people, and they were finding more unexploded. Well, I, I bombs think they all admitted that it's uh, a terrorist attack. Finally, now. finally, they they had to. I mean, they, they, it seems like they refused to to, to accept reality, and we we're getting the same thing with with Canadian uh, politicians too. I think I find, but one thing it, it is this is about uh, our Canadian troops. Um, it, this is my opinion only, but I feel that Trudeau has given the UN the authority to now decide where and when uh, uh, to send the, our Canadian troops 
and and I, uh, to me, I'm I'm going on the example of where, where Trudeau has given over our Canadian uh, authority to decide when the UN uh, should we are able to call um, a killing of a certain people. A, a genocide or not, mm-hmm. he is. We are we are losing our sovereignty t- totally. Well, he, he doesn't want us to keep our sovereignty. By no, and to me that is unconstitutional. Well, who does he think he is to do something like that? And the thing is, he still pretends and calls these things peaceful missions, uh, and in reality, they're anything but safe. You, you know, to, uh, the the only places in the world now are are dangerous uh, places. And there will be probably, unfortunately, and I even hate to say it, there's a a strong possibility of a loss of life. People don't know that we lost lives in previous UN missions. We lost a lot of lives, more than 100 in UN missions. Exactly, exactly. And they they, they hardly exist anymore. So that's... And what angers me is that he's giving away our sovereign, democratic, independent authority... How can he do that and get away with it? Th- well, this is unconstitutional. Pa- Parliament's I, allowing him, Gloria. That's y- why. Y- oh, Got to wrap see. it there. Thank you. Thanks for the time. Uh, right. Stephen, before you hit the music, uh, I just want to play this clip. This goes out to Gloria. It's at the top of, uh, of my file there. Bill de Blasio. This is Bill de Blasio on Saturday night, just after the bomb went off. And, and people were saying, is it terrorism? Well, now they, they know it is, but... But de Blasio was emphatic. There is no evidence at this point of a terror connection to this incident. This is preliminary information. It's something we will be investigating very carefully, but there is no evidence at this point of a terror connection. You know what he should have said? We're waiting to find out details. We'll get back to you on that when we know more. This event just happened. Instead, he was telling everyone it's not terrorism. Now it is. Makes you wonder if you can believe these guys. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Your next chance to qualify coming up less than 20 minutes from now. The Sens Ultimate Season Seats Giveaway. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Do you care about issues like the the celebrity gossip? Do you, ever, do you ever read them? Even if you're mostly a political junkie, do you check that stuff out? Our CFRA sound off question today on the website, CFRA.com. One of Hollywood's power couples is no more. Angelina Jolie is filing for divorce from Brad Pitt. Do you care about the breakup of Jolie and Pitt? And let's see what the results are now. It's been a while. Um says I voted already. Well, it was 93 point, uh, there it is, 93.8% say no, 6.2% say yes. I don't know about you, but when I'm on the Daily Mail website, and the Daily Mail has some great reporting even on American politics, and some they've had some great columnists over the years on world affairs and British politics, scrappy little tabloid. Uh, and they've r- actually figured out how the Internet works and how to make money, and so they're doing a great job. But you go on the Daily Mail, and it doesn't matter how serious the news story is, you always find yourself down the side. They've got all these different stories lined up. 
involving celebrities, and you're like, uh, I've got to click on that. And there you are. Maybe it's just me. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-CFRA. Do you have thoughts on Trudeau and his trip to the U.N., his platitude-filled speech, or the possibility that his senior staffers are involved in messing around with releasing access to information documents? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Guy, the Capital Voice, you are on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Good evening. Just uh, was actually re- reading John Iveson's article that broke at 8 o'clock, and uh, I don't know what uh, Little Tater has done to John Iveson or how John's taken a turn. He used to kind of like uh, Little Tater, but tonight he just uh, wrote I'm not a sure skater. about that. John, John's always seemed rather conservative to him. Yeah, but no, he always was pretty fair. Well, maybe it's just on question period that uh, he lightens up a bit. But, yeah, it was quite interesting. A few paragraphs in that article, but I wanted to point out um, how that speech today, and when you listen to Alan Rock and people like at Ottawa University, and you listen to this progressive left, and as you say, the the the, the drama and the spectacle of what they're saying with a quarter of the room filled. <laughs> Are you doing your best Trudeau impersonation? Oh my with goodness, the pauses, Brian! Guy? Did you hear him today? He has no interest in governing this country. He's got his height sights set on much bigger things, Brian. The he UN. has no interest, no interest at all in governing this country. That was quite evident today. Did you see his eyes, those starry eyes, hypnotized? <laughs> Never lies. Unbelievable. Did you see that today, though? I did watch yeah, the you speech. Know, you know me, I listened Brian. to the speech. Good cameramen always love good drama, and today was just a spectacle to behold. It really was. It, it was something more than uh, than just a typical speech. Uh, it, he got a better speaking slot than Canadian prime ministers have had in a long time. We have had speaking slots awarded to the Canadian prime minister at 9 at night, and 8 in the morning, things like that. He got prime time, 2 o'clock, not... He was fairly close to Obama's speech, I believe. But it's interesting you talk about the speech writing that went on behind the scenes because Obama stole some of his thunder. Even Iveson points to that in his article tonight, which I found quite interesting. So not only does Justin have, you know, seven people shooting his YouTube, imagine how many uh, little uh, urchins he has running around uh, editing his speech after uh, Obama. Well, that I, was quite something. They, uh, they, they always have speechwriters on hand, and I've known... Um, speechwriters for various politicians over the years, and uh, apparently some politicians are easier to write for than others. Well, Mr. Harper, Gerald not Bunch that easy to write for. carries around a bunch of SD cards and sticks one in the back of his head <laughs> where the slot is. That's what I heard. Is oh, that be true? fair, guy. Be fair. Come on. That's the way it should be, because he's a talking puppet. I was talking with Ray Hurd the other day. I yes. don't have to have oh, Ray Hurd on, uh, love on radio man. this week, but I was talking to him for a Rebel video, and he, he said that uh, Gerald Butts is the de facto uh, Prime Minister of Canada. Absolutely. There, there's um, not a doubt. By well, the way, did you hear you know what's interesting? 120? When, when he put the memo out in November of last year saying anything that comes from Gerald Butts, you can consider it coming from me. Do you mm-hmm. remember that, Brian? Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that was Novemberish, a month after Sunny Ways, right? I think about Novemberish. And when I read that, I went, holy jumping. That's quite something. Well, it's, very uh, very there's very another worrisome. story out today about how it was $120,000 plus to move one political staffer to Ottawa. Mm-hmm. My guess, we don't have the name, but my guess would be, that's Jerry. Nothing to see here. 
Talk to you later, guys. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We'll be back in moments. More of your calls. You want to get on now before the contest starts. It's 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580 on Bell Mobility. Call now. You can get in on the conversation. Ten minutes from now, the lines will be lit up with people trying to win hockey tickets. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Just looking at a tweeted out photo of Justin Trudeau's speech where he had the, the big pause, the applause line. You don't put that in the portion that you hand out. Story from Global Today. PMO staff charged taxpayers more than $220,000 to relocate to Ottawa, including one identified staffer in the Prime Minister's office expensing $126,669.56 for relocation. 100 let's let's do math here 126,669 and 56 cents divided by we'll increase it a little bit 48,500 is what the average Canadian makes working full-time so more than two and a half times 2.6 times what the average Canadian makes in a full year that's what one PMO staffer charged to move to Ottawa to take the job. Does that seem like good value for money to you? I get that we pay people's moving expenses, but 126000 just seems excessive. Another unidentified PMO staffer charged $80,382.55, and the rest was made up by an assortment of other staffers. I remember being offered... $1,500 to move for a job. I wanted the job. I was going to be paid well. And they said, we'll give you $1,500 to cover part of your moving expenses. I thought I'd hit the jackpot. I thought I was doing pretty well. But $126,000? That, ladies and gentlemen, is ridiculous. I'd ask you to call in, but right now, line still tied up on the hockey uh seat giveaway so we'll find out who the qualifier is in a minute and then i'll tell you the phone lines are back open alan in ottawa calling in about kathleen Wynn. yes i sent kathleen Wynn a letter you know saying that i was living on ten thousand dollars a year and i was having real problems with her raising the rent uh not the rent the uh, hydro every couple of months i got a letter and believe me if you could understand what she says I'll read you just one little paragraph. Oh, she okay? responded, or her office responded. Oh, yeah. This pass includes a basic income project, a pilot project. The pilot project would test the growth, uh, would test the growing view at home and abroad. But a basic income would provide more consistent and predictable support in today's dynamic labor market. The pilot would also test whether a basic income would provide a more efficient way of delivering income support. Strengthening the attachment to the labor force and achieve savings in other areas such as health care and housing supports. Our government will work with communities, researchers, and other stakeholders to, to determine how best to design and implement the project. 
Oh. You understand? It's like I couldn't understand it if I tried. I, I I'm not sure what what all of that is about. So you wrote in about the basic income. Is well, that- I wrote in saying uh, we needed a raise because we're trying to live in ten thousand dollars a year. And this is on on what? ODSP on, on Ontario disability. disability. And so they're responding to you by saying we're looking at this um, basic minimum income. Yes, a pilot project doesn't say when it'll start. Doesn't say when it'll be finished. I can say when we get a raise because I, I wrote last five years we've only received one percent raise every year. Meanwhile, she keeps jumping the rates. Hydro rates, my hydro rates have tripled. Um, how do you expect us to survive? Seriously, that I don't know. That I don't know. I, well, I, I, do, I do know that I don't like the idea of the basic minimum income, and it's not that I, I'm saying people oh, like you, Alan, um, don't deserve help and support. I, no. I just, the idea of a basic minimum income to me says we're going to end up uh, incentivizing people not to work. Oh, exactly. I agree. In fact, I started a job this coming Thursday. But... Uh, I know a lot of people are out there looking for work and can't find it. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be a lot of work out there, partly because of her policies of making this country broke. You know, I just wish somebody would take her and make her live on what we have to live on for for a month. She couldn't do it. No, I doubt she could, especially not when you've got you know, political folks charging $126,000 just to move. Tell me now. <laughs> All right, thanks. I'm not going to recommend that, Alan. Uh, let's go to uh, Diane in Stittsville. What line's that? Let me hit the right buttons. Diane, you're on Beyond the News. Uh, good, after- good evening. As fast as I can, I turn Trudeau off. As fast as I can walk over to my radio, he's off. So maybe 10 or 20 seconds I have to listen to him. Okay. Today I saw Trudeau with the Queen of Jordan in The Citizen. I'm wondering, I should try to keep track. Is there ever a day that there isn't a picture of him um, smoothing, you know, cuddling up to somebody? Or, oh, it's just so terrible. So, uh, no, I, I just can't. I just can't take him. So Brad Pitt and um, Angelina... No, I, I saw it on Yahoo today. When I go into my email, it's the top 10 uh, stories that are trending, mm-hmm. and I guess they were number one. So, okay, so what what am I interested in today? I'm interested in the Blue Jays, the hockey. Last time I noticed um, uh, Canada's up 3-1 over the U.S., um, Anything but listening to Trudeau, can't I just can't listen to him. So when I played him earlier, did you just uh, turn it off? I, I, I turned my whole radio down. <laughs> yeah, I but we have to know what he says so that we know what we're talking about, so that we know, you know, and maybe I have to listen so that you don't have to. That's what I say about uh, people will say, did you see this story on CBC? Did you hear this story on CBC? And I say, no, no, I, I have people that listen to that. For me, so that I don't have to. Exactly, Brian. Because I listen to you and and the others. 
I don't have a TV. So okay. I listen to radio all day, practically. I may no. I have a life besides the radio. But it's on while you're it's while on. you're while you're doing things. I get yes. it. I completely get it. Okay, uh, Brian. What do you make? I have to ask you this, Diane, before you go. What do you make of a staffer in Trudeau's office charging one hundred and twenty-six thousand dollars in moving expenses? Outrageous! Just uh, we moved here from Oakville to to Ottawa. Well, it was quite a long time ago, so I guess I can't compare. But it sounds it sounds too too. Maybe they're buying all new curtains for them, and <laughs> um, you know. Uh, repainting a house or, you know, besides the moving costs, I don't know what would come to 126000 beyond me. All right. Thanks for okay, the call. Okay, thanks, Brian. Bye. Let's go to Dave in Ottawa. Dave, you're on Beyond the News. Was a 4-1 for Canada. That, that it just went up, yep. Yep. Now, as far as Angela and uh, Brad, gee, I'm very sorry, Angela, but I'm still here. <laughs> You can come back. I, I'll, I'll take you back. <laughs> All's forgiven if, uh, if yeah, Angelina yeah. Jolie comes back to you, Dave. Now, um, I said last night that I would get a hold of Mr. McGinty's office, and I did. Mm-hmm. And I did get the courtesy of a phone call back. And the word is, it was Miss Secretary, of course, one of his office staff. But the word is that uh, at the meeting in uh, Elmer, or Hall, he had collaborated with the, one of the Elmer MPs over there. And... Uh, so that was like a joint meeting, uh, you know, Ottawa and... and no, that uh, wasn't Elmer. a local meeting, though. That was that well, was that the was minister's tour. That was tour. the line they gave me, that he collaborated with the Elmer guy, and so that was his contribution. Hmm. So, I'm not sure how I feel about that. No, me neither. Uh, anyhow, I wanted to talk about something else I didn't get a chance to. Uh, was people complaining at those meetings that they lost their vote. They lose their vote. We need proportional because they lose their vote. Number one, I don't want proportional because I don't want the Greens when Elizabeth May barely makes her seat and the others come in fourth or fifth place, but they get a few extra votes and all of a sudden the Green Party's got four seats. And the Rhinoceros Party, because of the number of votes they give, the Rhinoceros are going to get two seats. No darn way. My problem with it, Dave, is that it takes away the, the local electoral aspect, and it, it essentially moves it up to um, revoting for a party. Yeah, now I said I wanted to talk about losing a vote, and I've been voting, I'm 65, I, I haven't missed many, if any, elections since I've been able to vote. I have never lost my vote yet. And the reason is that my vote is my expression of, of uh, interest or promotion of the candidate or party of my choice. Now, my, part, my party or candidate may not have won the seat. That doesn't mean that I lost my vote because my vote is to express confidence in that person or party. And that's See, never but, lost. But you understand the system. Now, the thing is, if we go to what the, the liberals want by, by this represent, you know, the first pat, you know, the, the, the ranked balloting, there's going to be a loser. Only one person from the writing is going to get in. The others are going to lose. It's rigged so the liberals are going to win, but the others are going to lose. And we're getting like the highest, the, the, the kids in the, the, the playgrounds that, you know, oh, we, we can't keep score because kids feel bad when they lose. Well, people win and people lose, and it's going to happen in elections, too. This is true. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. And, and you live in Ottawa South. So I do. You, you know, if you vote conservative. And I did. Then... 
and my conservative member not, did not get elected. It, it, it has been a long time since a conservative was elected yes, there. Yes, provincially or federally. Yeah. Well, I I feel your pain. Thanks, Dave. Take care, Brian. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. More of your calls, your emails, your tweets, your thoughts. When we come back, you want to join the conversation? 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580 on Bell Mobility. is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Give it to me, I'm worth it. Dave was calling in there about electoral reform, and he's been active in this, and I want to give a shout-out to someone else that has been. That's a regular caller as well, Guy Annabelle the Capital Voice, he set up a Facebook page where he's documenting a lot of this. It's My Vote Matters Ottawa. So if you're on Facebook, just search that out, My Vote Matters Ottawa, and like the page. Follow what he's doing. Contribute to the conversation. You'll get some good info out of there. David writes in uh, via email, beyondthenews at cfra.com. He says, PM Starry Eye, Jess, the globalist minions, Obama, Trudeau, Clinton, and the mayors of New York, uh, London, and Paris all pay homage to the paymasters, Soros, Rothschild, Buffett, and company, open borders, globalizations, many EU-type arguments, do away with the nation-state. The globalists already bought the Canadian political elites left and right and are uh, dumping major money behind Clinton to ensure she succeeds Obama to continue their programs. Patriotic Canadians like Mike Harris and Stephen Harper were obstacles in their way. George Soros putting huge money behind uh, another push for resettling migrants. Follow that story. Check it out. Chris in Winchester calling in. Chris, uh, $126,000 to move. I'm betting you, for one person, I'm betting that you are uh, happy about that. No, I'm absolutely not happy about that because I'm one of those small business people that you talk about quite frequently who works his buns off. Um, I have a disabled wife who receives nothing from ODSP, and it's actually uh, pretty much a write-off because uh, I try to make an income so she doesn't get anything from that. I turn around and I turn around maybe 150k to 200k a year, and um, you pay a ton in taxes for that, don't you? I pay a crapload in taxes from that. Uh, what I end up with is about fifty thousand dollars, which, because I started late, I put twenty thousand dollars into retirement and try to live on thirty thousand dollars, so that I won't have to eat cat food when I get older and I hear about something like this where some, let's say not entitled individual from the current liberal government walks in and takes 120 some thousand like how many years of my taxes is that Um, (laughs) and and he just gets to walk away with it because he's with that party, excuse me 126,000 for one staffer 80,000 for another uh, $220,000 for all five PMO staff that uh, that submitted moving expenses. 
but we promote small business. We promote taxpayers. We promote Canadian citizens, and we want everybody to do well, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> How many people can we put on the feeding trough to absolutely kill the ones that are actually working? The uh, other expenses, Global Affairs paid out $119,000 for a staffer. Uh, the Minister of Innovation, Science, and uh, Economic Development, 113000 This is insanity. I'm absolutely disgusted by this, Brian. I, you know what? Um, I remember your $1,500. I got $900 from, and excuse me, I'll say their name out loud, NCR Canada paid me $900 to move to Ottawa in 1987. Um, and I got paid $900 to move here, and I thought I had won the lottery. Yeah, it, I, I'm not going to say that inflation would make that into 126 because it no, wouldn't. No, it's nowhere. <laughs> it, it wouldn't. But, you know, you're talking about how much scratch you have to put out there to earn an income and pay the crushing taxes, and this is where it goes. And then if you're a, a regular Canadian working a full-time job, People don't believe me, but you can go into the Stats Canada numbers and see it. It's 47, 48 in that range a year. And these guys are charging 2.6 times that to move one person. Or, you know, maybe they've got a family. It still doesn't matter. It's inexcusable. And they're likely, it's likely someone who's making a good six-figure income when they get here. Think about this, Brian. When they paid me $900, they were assuming that that was my month's rent. Um, so if I paid $900 of rent, they were paying me my last month's rent. And that was a pretty good bonus. You've really got to reach to figure out what $126,000 is paying for. I, I know that when they move military families, they will pay for a mover, and it's a full-on move. The moving company shows up, they pack everything for you. Uh, they cart it to your new place. They will pay for you to have a couple of moving uh, trips where you you go ahead of time. Let's say you're being posted to Ottawa from Gagetown. They would send you, and they would check out you, allow you to check out houses. So you get there's a limit one or two of those trips to check out houses and find a place to live. But that's the military forcing you to move across the country, not you choosing to join a the prime minister's office. In, in a voluntary way. And one of those people in that family for that military move is is ready to offer their life for their country. And you're still only talking about $20,000 investment in moving them across the country. This is ridiculous at $120,000 to move up. It's, you know, a young, probably... A uh, very, very mobile person, maybe with a young family across the country, 120000 Like, where does the money go? Excuse me, what are they, painting everything, modifying everything, and bringing in uh, somebody by the name of Sheldon from the HDTV network and <laughs> to design it? Like, what's going on? Something fishy's up about it. Thanks for the hey, call, Chris. You got it it does remind me that a couple of years ago, two years ago now, we found out that Andrew Leslie, who's now the Liberal MP for Orleans, but was then just Justin Trudeau's one of his uh, advisors and a star candidate for the Liberals, in his last move, 
charged $72,000. He moved around the corner inside Ottawa from one part of fancy Ottawa to another part of fancy Ottawa and dinged taxpayers $72,000 for it. What's What's the famous liberal phrase? I'm entitled to my entitlements. Do make sure you go on Facebook, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Share that story I was talking about, about the, the staffers on the, uh, the inside uh, and uh, questions about them. Having political interference in releasing information, this will become a big story if you help push it. So go to Facebook, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Hit share. We'll have more on this tomorrow, I'm sure. Until then, thanks for listening. As always, remember, I'm on your side.